Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, you guessed it. It is certainly that time of the week where myself, Ollie Geel, and of course Australia's slipped down to fourth favourite son this week. I'll get to that a little bit later on, but of course I am talking about Mark Schwarzer. We like to sit down and try a bottle of burgundy grape, a nice bottle of red wine. And then towards the end of the episode, we'll compare that bottle to a player, past or present. And at this stage, I welcome in Mark Schwarzer. Welcome back to the Two Sharp Reds. Thanks, mate. Um, what's happened? Why have I slipped down the list? Uh, because you have not turned your microphone on. That's what exactly why. Have I not turned it on? And uh, now it's back. Well done. That's not me. That's, that's just... <laughs> That's that's the computer. So look at this. We're really peeking behind the curtains of, of how the you know things work here in, in podcast land for the listener. Uh, but you, you do have troubles with your microphone, so that's why it's slipped down. To uh, in my defence, it has a mind of its own, Does and it? it switches in and out whenever it chooses to. It's a bit weird. I don't get it. If you had to compare your microphone to a player, who would it be? Um, someone that is not necessarily a consistent performer, but when it does perform, it performs really, really well. And yeah. on other occasion, um, it can be uh, dog shit. Um, okay, so sure. That's, for for that's want of better of a word, yep. yep well, no, I, I mean, like I'm going to go with my mate. You know, he, he's um, he's someone that uh, um, often often uh, has, has in my time at Fulham definitely. Um, he, he at times uh, was was brilliant when he was on, but then when he wasn't on, he was uh, he was terrible. Um, one of the most arrogant men I've ever come across. But anyway, Dimitrov Berbatov. Really? Do you just have to say to him as well when he's had a, a to, you know to quote you a dog shit game? Do you just have to say to him, mate? Oh, you couldn't. You weren't allowed to because the manager really? Martin Yol, it was his prodigy, mm. prodigal son, so you weren't yeah. allowed to actually say anything negative towards him. Um, and uh, he said, I'll deal with him. He's special. He's special. I'll deal with him. And that was it. Never did because he, he didn't have the, uh, the goal to do so. Well, I like compare, doing some comparisons this early on in the podcast. It's good because, of course, that is the theme here on the Two Sharp Reds. We like to try a bottle of red wine. We'll compare it at the end to a player. So I suppose let's get things underway in terms of the wine and then we can kick into the football because, of course, there's always plenty to talk about. Now, I've gone for a 19 crimes, which... Uh, yeah, long-time listeners, and there, there's plenty of them uh, in the Two Sharp Worlds, uh, Two Sharp Reds world. Will know that that is uh, one of my favourites. Similar to last week's wine, when I chose uh, Del Diablo, um, I needed a comfort wine or I needed a simple wine, something that I could trust in, and I wasn't going to be disappointed in. Now I'll save why uh, for halftime drinks, but there's a, a big thing going on in my world today. And I just needed a simple bottle of the nice 19 crimes. Very strong, but very smooth. Uh, really nice wine from Southeast Australia to get me through the day. 
Okay. Yeah, I understand. I know. Obviously, I know what's going on in your day today, so I get I get why you've gone for for something that's a bit of a comfort one for you. Um, whereas me, you know, mine's a pretty normal day. So, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm going for actually. I've been to this uh, vineyard in Spain, and right. um, and I bought a couple of these bottles, and and it's really nice. It's uh, a Muga, a Muga Reserve, uh, 2016. This is a bit newer than the one that I I've got. Um, uh, when I was there, but uh, I, I do really like it because I've, I've enjoyed it so much. I've uh, persisted with with going for a few more of them. So it's a it's a Rioja Reserva, and uh, it's in the north of Spain in the Rioja uh, region. As you sort mm-hmm. of come over the border from France, and uh, we were there with a combi van actually. And the kids, I think this was the second vineyard we went to, and the kids were like, "Do we have to come inside again?" Yeah. And uh, we're like, "No, nah, okay, stay in the car." watch your videos and, and your mum and I will go inside and, and, and make sure the place is uh, serving the correct sort of uh, wine, you know, crack, crack <laughs> so, the windows like you would for the dogs. Yeah. You'll be right. Yeah. yeah. Leave a bowl of water and they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Good on you. Jeez. Father of the year. I tell you, Mark, let's get stuck into the football. I say there's plenty to talk about and don't get me wrong. There absolutely is. But the one thing that was always going to be on today's menu was going to be the Liverpool man United game. Now, part of me suggests that, uh, I was a bit of a surprise. Like we, look, all I'm trying to say is we build these sort of games up so often. Yep. And so often it ends like this. How did you see it? Were they playing for a draw? Or because I suppose there were chances. They weren't necessarily just playing for a draw, but obviously I, I felt that Manchester United were were happy enough with a draw. Obviously they wanted to try and win it, and they almost did, but. In the end, we're pretty content. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a dull, boring game, wasn't it? Really, let's yeah. be honest. There were not. A, I wouldn't even say there were moments of brilliance because there wasn't. Um, Liverpool's front three were were almost non-existent. Um, Manchester United's front three were. Don't think any better at all either. Um, I think they were also non-existent, and. Uh, wasn't like I mean Paul Pogba had the best chance of the game it wasn't like it was a brilliant move or anything brilliant about it if anything he hit it too nicely and straight at the goalkeeper but Allison did make two very very good saves um so got to give him credit for that I thought I actually thought Man United would have the upper hand and that's only because um uh, Liverpool's defensive worries and uh well I say worries because it was definitely a worry for me before the game. I, I thought, even though uh, Fabinho has done so well at centre half, I just thought Jordan Henderson may struggle a little bit more against the Manchester United front three. Um, but I thought he did very, very well. Um, they interchanged really well, uh, Liverpool. I mean, Jordan Henderson at times found himself doing his natural midfield thing and pushing forward. But the mm-hmm. cover was always there. Thiago was very, very good. Um, he was probably the best player on the pitch, Thiago, I have to say. Well, it's, so that'd almost be his best game in a Liverpool shirt as well. Yeah, well, it wouldn't be hard because he hasn't played that many games, is no, he? No, correct, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, he hasn't played that many 90 minutes. Um, and, and he's a phenomenal player. Saw him, you know, saw him so many times play for, for Bayern Munich. Um, and he was, you know, at times you, you probably underestimated, underrated how good a player he was. And, and mm. if anything, now at Liverpool, and for some reason at, uh, um, at Liverpool here in the Premier League, he kind of stands out even more. Um, but, you know, at, at Bayern, he was very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But it wasn't like he looked at it and went, well, he's like irreplaceable almost. He's not. Yeah. I mean, Bayern always find a replacement. But, yeah, phenomenal player. We saw uh, Shakiri play for the first time in a long time. or well, certainly start 
for the first time in a long time um, in the Premier League. It was a felt like a makeshift front three, didn't it? It, yeah, it, it did. was a bit different. It, it, it was. Um, and I was just a little bit surprised. Um, you know, it's strange sometimes the decisions managers make. And I know they work with them every day, the players. But Shakiri's hardly been involved for so long. And he looked like a player that was down on match practice. He looked like a player yep. that was, you know, kind of wasn't quite up to speed with everything. You know, again, he's got, obviously, he's got something, you know, and he's, he's a good player on his day. But... You know, the shots from distance were pretty wayward. Um, Decision-making at times were, was not quite up to speed. But that's ex- understandable considering, you know, if you're not in the game and haven't played that many many games of football uh, of late, it's really, really hard to, to all of a sudden, you know, go into another gear altogether at that sort of level. Um, they kind of counted each other out, didn't they? Uh, yeah. Manchester United, Liverpool. Uh, talking about you know some sort of to a degree some surprising starting additions for Liverpool. You mentioned Jordan Henderson playing that role at centre half. There was that a surprise in the sense that that really shows Klopp's trust for for the youngsters. That in a game like this, you know, a final almost it felt like, you know, who wins goes top. Did it, does that sort of show his trust in them? What lack of trust? You mean the lack of trust? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, in, in both Reese Williams and Nat Phillips, when they've come in, they've done a pretty decent job. And I, and I think they've also been exposed at times, both of them. And, and, and it's going to happen because they're young players. Mm. Uh, I think both of them have, a little bit, uh, have been exposed a little bit for, for maybe not being as quick as, as they probably need to be to, to play at that high level. And obviously the demands and, and the expectations for playing for Liverpool are, are enormous, which... Is understandable, you know. They're reigning champions, the Champions League winners the season before. You know, they've got a lot, a lot of expectation there on their shoulders. And and I think yesterday was a was a great, a great example of a manager that didn't entirely trust his his two young centre halves, and that's why he never gave him a chance. Because you can't you can't say Klopp doesn't give young players a go because he does. No. He does yeah. Um, and, and, and he gives them a go and, and sticks with them if he thinks they're good enough. I mean, I was a little bit surprised also he didn't start with Curtis Jones. I thought he would have been a good player to start with um, and maybe bring Shakiri on again. Um, but he obviously decided not to do that. He decided to, to play Shakiri. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show you at the moment. He, I also think because Liverpool are not quite clicking, mm-hmm. so he's gone with the experience tried and tested rather than possibly, um, that's how I'm kind of reading it, rather than bringing in some more young players and, and putting responsibility on their shoulders in, in such a huge game. Finally, on that match between Manchester United and Liverpool, last week my phone was pinging off left, right and centre. I couldn't believe my luck, Mark, because your social media activity on Twitter was through the roof. I absolutely loved it. And one question you threw out there to the world was um, Henderson or De Gea? What was the, the general feedback? What was the vibe on the street? And what was, uh, what was your overarching feeling towards the end of those conversations? Well, the overriding um, kind of comment was that, yes, Henderson's very, very good and has done very, very well um, the two years he's been on loan. Uh, but since he's been back, De Gea's lifted up to another gear. Um, and and the, 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 mo- the biggest comment was Henderson's the future and De Gea at the moment is, deserves to keep his place because of the way he's been playing. And I have to agree with that. I think once uh, Solskjaer went with the decision of going with De Gea at the beginning of the season, 
you know, that's where the pressure was on, pressure on De Gea to actually perform um, consistently well week in, week out. And, you know, if we reverse the clocks back or turn the clocks back a year, I think, I think De Gea would have at least made one big mistake already mm-hmm. um, in this time of the season, if not two. Whereas I, I can't remember a big mistake he's made this season. And that's now getting back to De Gea of old. Because um, he went through, what, a two-year period, two-and-a-half-year period of being very, very inconsistent. And rightly was under an enormous amount of pressure to start performing again at that highest level. I mean, you know, he's, a, he's a huge player for them. He's on a big contract. The expectations are there and needs to deliver, and he hadn't been, and, and certainly not consistently. Um, so I think the decision is, is justified to keep De Gea in goal. Um, what, what did surprise me with both of them is that either of them, you know, when I watched both of them play, and obviously you get a chance to see De Gea play more, re- more frequently, whereas Henderson's only quite sporadically. And, and I, I, I had a suspicion or, or saw games last season with Jeff United where he didn't, he didn't actually come out of his box that much and, and come and dominate uh, in, you know, in a, sort of an aerial threat. And I think with Manchester United, it seems to be exaggerated even more. And the games that I've seen, both of them don't come off their line enough. They don't come out and dominate their own yard box enough. Um, there was enough opportunities, even yesterday, to have to come out and take a couple of crosses or at least put his uh, fist on the end of it and, and just refuse to come off his line. And that, that is, a, I think, a, a general kind of movement for vast majority of goalkeepers in the league this, uh, this, at this time um, very, very few goalkeepers come off their line anymore. Very few goalkeepers venture outside the six-yard box to, to claim a cross or, or punch a ball, unless it's really, really straightforward and no one's really contesting them. But very few do it anymore. And, and De Gea, I think, and Henderson, when I've seen play this season, probably um, uh, are good examples of, of, of how they stay on their line and very rarely venture out. So if we look at the rest of Sunday's uh, fixtures, it was pretty much business as usual, you would suggest. Man City 4-0 over Crystal Palace. Tottenham 3-1 over Sheffield United. If we look to the Scottish Premiership as well, Mark Rangers drew uh, for the first time in a long time. And we've got a special interest in the Scottish League once again, which we'll get to very shortly in our transfer update. Uh, But the game between Sheffield United and Tottenham, I... Pretended to be a Sheffield United fan in that game, and I was so disappointed. I wonder why. <laughs> Go on, because <laughs> obviously I'm an Arsenal fan. Yeah, I get it. No, but no, I but it, tried to pretend, it, and I was gutted yeah. for them. It was frustrating. No, there was a um, uh, oh, there was a feeling beforehand that maybe, maybe because Sheffield United off the back of their first win of the season, maybe that was the moment. Maybe uh, Spurs, you know going a goal up more often than not and kind of taking their foot off the pedal a little bit and dropping and trying to defend the 1-0 lead. And you kind of thought, mm, could be Sheffield United last season? Yes. This season? No. Sheffield United are just miles off it, aren't they? I mean, yeah. they, they've just got big problems. Um, and, and, and as much as I admire what Chris Wall has done, I just don't see them having a chance of staying up if he stays there as manager. The only way that I can see any chance of them staying up is if they make a change. But then the question you've got to ask yourself is, who do they bring in? You know, because it's a unique club. You know, it's not, it's not a club that has a huge amounts of, of, of money available to you. Um, it's an un, having an understanding of the club. Chris Wilder is perfect for that job. Mm. It's just now the club would have to make it. Well, we will be making a decision, I would believe. They'd be looking over it, thinking it through long and hard and saying, okay, what are our, I mean, our objectives obviously are to stay in the league, but at the moment, the way it's going, 
we, we don't look like we're going to unless we change something to give ourselves a chance. So there's, there's the added cost of doing that. And then the next person coming in may be completely the wrong guy. You know, it may not be the right person to keep you up. And it just changes the whole mindset and philosophy of the club. What they've got is they've got stability, albeit possibly relegation. But will then Chris Wilder be the man that if they do get relegated, to pull it all back together again to get them back straight up again? And that's how the club, I think, will be looking at it. Well, they hopefully would be looking at the blueprint of Norwich and Daniel Farker going, he's clearly, he didn't lose the dressing room. They lost a fair few games, but look at him now. They're absolutely flying in the championship. The, you know, he's done an incredible job so far. I mean, halfway through the championship season and Farquhar has been, been brilliant again. Um, and and their, their, their other question is, okay, so their model is, and, you know, about stability, uh, sustainability in terms of as a club, not necessarily in the league. So it's, it's, it's kind of the objective is to be at the top of the, of the table every season, get the promotion, and then the next season, let's try and stay in the league. And the likelihood is we're not going to because we're not going to spend a lot of money. But what we're going to do is we're going to try and find that next young, young talented player that maybe comes in and does really well or promote young players within give them that platform to perform and then we're going to put they're in the shop window at the end of the season we'll pick and choose who we sell and who we keep and then it's kind of that funding rebuilding mm. that that whole you hate that don't you your pet hate no 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 not necessarily but you've got to know what you are i reckon it must be really really hard for a for a norwich fan to support yeah. their club because yes, you've got the excitement of getting promoted, but then you look at it and go, but we're not going to really give ourselves an opportunity unless, unless something dramatic happens, unless we have an unbelievable season and players that we never thought would get to the level that, the, that they need to be in the league to stay up. As I mean, we're talking a number of players, not just two or three players like they had last season that really performed well. You need another, you know, you probably need seven or eight players to be outstanding. Um, yeah. So it must be really frustrating. You have the highs of promotion and winning nearly every game in the championship. And then come the Premier League, you, you know, you're know you finding yourself struggling to win probably six, seven games in the season. That's got to be really hard. And if that happens regularly, you know, that's a tough one. Sure. Um, and that's very, I would think that would be really tough as a fan to support. Okay, Mark, it's time for a transfer update, 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 update. Do you like that? <clears throat> That's, that was all me. That's not editing, thought, by the way. That see, wasn't I thought, a, that, was your, I thought yeah, that was your internet. Yeah, <laughs> did you? A few glitches. Uh, it's an odd transfer window. We knew it was probably not going to be off the charts. Generally, January's mm. never too crazy anyway, but of course, uh, with the financial impact every club has at the moment. The big one right now... And a time of recording on Monday morning GMT time. Um, <clears throat> it looks like Mesut Ozil has arrived in Fenerbahce. He's already posted. He's got scarf, all the rest of it. Hasn't signed on the dotted line, as I said, at time of recording. But that one is done and dusted. Now, do you know much about the Scottish League? I mean, do you know much about the Scottish League? The Turkish League. Do you know much about the Turkish League? Now, if I've ever had a curveball, that's a curveball and a half. A, like, yeah. You're building it up. You're talking about Mesut Ozil. You're talking about him <laughs> signing for Fenerbahce. And then you go, do you know anything about the Scottish League? <laughs> well, actually... <laughs> Oh, a real lot. More than I know about the, the... I know more about the Scottish League than I do about the Turkish League. The Turkish I, League. I, okay, well, I'll, let's stick with the Turkish League for now, at least. Um, I reckon he's going to rip it up. From, from Yeah, why not? Slightly different pace. 
Um, you like to think that maybe his body's feeling, <laughs> you'd think, pretty well rested you after the time. You he, he'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, what, what do you think? I mean, is this just going to be a bit of a, a box tick move for him because we know that he really loves them, grew up sort of supporting them? Or, or is it a, maybe this is my, my last chance at sort of, you know, saving a little bit of my career and, and a bit of respect? Well, it's actually funny, you know, when you get kind of excited about something, um, obviously you clearly have a lot of uh, uh, fond memories of Mesut Ozil. You still got a very big soft spot for him. That's clear because it goes really high. Yep. And so you're, you've got sure. an opinion, sure. but you're not 100% convinced that it's the right one, but you're going to yep. try and you're going to try and put it out there and, and hopefully I go with it. Um, I'm so very transparent funny. with you, aren't I? I'm very yeah, transparent. Yeah, it's 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 quite it's quite amusing actually. Like seeing you uh, struggle a little bit there under under the pressure. Um, do I think you know what the 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 big question again is like anything uh, with with players that don't play enough games? Um, are they able to just switch it on and then come back into it? And, and I think one of the examples uh, I've got for you is uh, James Rodriguez. So a guy that's played infinitely more games than, than Mesut Ozil over the last probably two seasons, yep. hit the ground running when he first arrived at Everton, but then to the brick wall. And even the brick wall before he got injured, and then he's had injury issues. So um, will Mesut Ozil do it? You know, listen, there's no doubting his ability. There's no doubt. One, one ounce of doubt there about what he can do as a footballer. It's just, it's just that desire, that hunger... Um, the body language, whatever you say about it, it's a problem for me anyway. And I think the perception is always a big, a big problem, if, particularly when things are not going so well and you've got a player that has bad body language. Um, can he deliver? That's the million-dollar question. And obviously, Fenerbahce believe that he can. It's his club that he supported as a kid growing a Turkish, you know, a kid of Turkish descent growing up in, 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 in Germany. What was interesting, actually, was listening or reading Mesut Ozil's comments about um, his saying that the team that he supported as a Turkish kid growing up in Germany was, uh, was Fenerbahce from his country. Oh, I didn't realise that. Which, which was interesting because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a similar... I, I think yeah. Mesut was born in Germany, I think. I'm not sure. If he wasn't... If he was born in Turkey, um, I apologise for not getting it correct. But it's, if, it, if he was born in Turkey, it's similar because he grew up in, in, in Germany. So he played for Germany. I mean, I, I was born in Australia but of German, German parents and I grew up and I ended up playing for Australia. And... First and foremost, uh, my country is Australia, and that's my country. And but I'm also German. But I would, I would, I personally would never say my country, Germany. I would say yes, of course. I mean, I am German, and I love Germany and everything about the culture and everything else. Um, and my, it's 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 the country of my parents. Mm. even though I also feel very German. So I found that really interesting and quite controversial. And so he clearly, you know, he's clearly had a big, a big falling out with the German public and the Federation after the 2018 world cup. Um, so that's been a, a, a major, major issue for him. And, and I think that's also one of the reasons he's kind of made that comment. And, and for, when I read it, it just, it was like, it, it, it was, it was massive. It was, it was almost like it was written in capital letters. 
Because sure. it just it, it jumped out at me, and I was just like, okay, wow, all right, that's pretty pretty strong. Elsewhere in the transfer world, there's one name that I've been excited to talk about. Our man, I almost want to say, I almost think we should do a minute's applause because uh, Jackson Irvine, he's found a club, Mark. He's gone to hips. Uh, it's very exciting for him. He returns back to Scotland. Look, I'll be totally honest with you. I'm a little gutted he didn't stay in the championship, possibly with a side that you know had aspirations of, of going into the Premier League. But nonetheless, it's a good move in the sense that he's playing again. And that's super important. Well, he's in the Premier League, so I don't know what you're on about. What are you complaining about? What, the Scottish Premier League? Yeah. You're on today, you aren't about? you? You are oh, on wow. today. Your yeah, mind you know, is elsewhere. Um, I, I'm just surprised it's taking him so long, you know, six months out of, of playing football. And that, that's, you know, that's always the, the worry that uh, up to speed and he's got to be careful the way they bring him in, that he doesn't come in and then get injured and he's out for a long term already, you know, don't know how long he's signed his deal for. So let's hope, let's hope they, they ease him into it. Let's hope he, he, he gets some games under his belt now and, and stays fit and can show what he can do. Cause it's important not only for him and his career, but also for the soccer who's moving forward hundred percent. So it's great to hear, you know, and I saw the news as well, of course, and it was great to, to see that he's finally found a club. Uh, and finally, just on the transfer updates, I read an article about Fulham. Now, they've been asked now to pay £15 million for a permanent move for Lookman. Um, essentially, um, Leipzig have said, actually, he's been, pre- he's, he's been pretty good. So we're going to make you pay 15 mil if you want the permanent transfer. Do you reckon that that's probably fair enough? Has he shown £15 million worth of talent to you? Not regularly enough. That's the worry. Um, is he is he worth fifteen million? No, I listen. I don't think fifteen million is a, uh, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money in terms of football transfers. No. Um, and and for Fulham, I think you know you, you've got a chance to spend six months with a guy, and and they're in the best position to make that decision. They're going to know what his personality is like, what his work rate is like, what he's like as in the group around the, the the club. I don't quite know. And the only the only thing that worries me about him is that. He seems to have more of an impact when he comes on as a substitute as opposed mm-hmm. to someone that plays for 90 minutes. So, you know, are you prepared to pay that sort of money for a player that potentially, and, and it depend, I don't know how they see him. I don't know whether mm-hmm. they see him as a, a player that should be playing every week and we need him to play every week, or is he a player that we're going to use as an impact player? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, you know, he came on against Spurs late in the game and he really took it to Spurs. So, and that's, that's my point, you know, and, and does he have the same impact if he starts a game and plays 90 minutes? Uh, I haven't seen it enough this season. But then, you know, the team has struggled up until recently. So the team's only started to turn things around. So, um, I, I, again, like I said, 15 million is not a lot of money in terms of football transfers. And he's young. He's that really, really highly talented young player that kind of hasn't really worked. And he's the kind of player that Leipzig would normally buy from, I don't know, from another club, like a lesser team around Europe or from a, from a young player from a big club that has gone there with high expectations but struggled to make a, an impact. And he's kind of the player that, that uh, like, like when he went to Everton and didn't really live up to expectation, dropped off, and Leipzig went, right, this is a kid that huge potential, hasn't quite worked out for him, We'll buy him and give him a platform in the working environment for him to, mm. to try and flourish. And 
he'll either be a mainstay player in our team or we'll move him on. And, and that's the only thing that worries me a little bit because he's had, that, he's had that, that jump up from championship up to the Premier League and he struggled at, at, uh, at Everton. Then Leipzig saw the opportunity, took him and he still struggled there. So what is the problem? Where, where is an issue? And sometimes you need to find the right manager, you need to find the right club. But all my understanding of the way that RB Leipzig operate and their record of developing young players, giving players second chances or third chances is outstanding. And I'm, I'm, I'm just a little bit wary about why it quite hasn't worked out for him in, 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 uh, in Leipzig. Just finally on Fulham, uh, away from a, a transfer update style, um, you must be loving Ariola. He's a weapon. Yeah, I, I said it when they signed him. He's a huge signing for them, and potentially, he, he you know he, he could make a huge difference for them. The only issue I have is that you know they've gone. What is it? The last what's they've they've drawn five out of the last six, and Ariola's mm-hmm. had a big part to play in keeping those you know keeping the games to a draw. But he needs a little bit of help to turn some of those draws into wins. And a draw, and and those draws, you know, if they, if 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 they go on and draw another ten games between now and the, end of the season, that's not going to be enough to keep them up, yeah. and and that's the concern. But listen, I think he's eighteen million, uh, Ariola, if if they want to make the transfer permanent. So, I mean, I hope for Fulham's sake um, they stay up because if they stay up, they're getting an absolute bargain in in yeah. Ariola. Halftime drinks here on the two sharp reds as I just take a nice sip of the beautiful 19 crimes. You know, I love my 19 crimes, but I'm taking a sip because it's, it is a big day for me, Mark, and it's time that I should probably share to the world. Uh, I'm leaving England. Oh, I nearly teared up when I said that, but I am <clears throat> leaving old blighty and uh, a very natural move now, you know, uh, I'm moving to Bermuda, you know, as, as, you know, as most, pe- as most people do when they come to England and, and move on, they go, where's their next port of call? Yeah. yeah. Of course it is. That, that old chestnut, eh? I know it's pretty boring of me, but yeah, I'm, I'm moving to Bermuda. So of course, don't you worry about this for long-term listeners of the two sharp reads. The show will continue, but maybe we'll have to transform into the two sharp rums uh, because it tell will us, look tell different. Us how, what, what, like, come on, get, let our listeners know how did Bermuda come about? Well, so I have to leave anyway. Visa's up. Can't get sponsored because there's a big palaver about that. Boris Johnson stitched me up there. Um, if you can have a word with him, Mark, I know you're good mates with him. That would really help. Um, COVID's not helped. Brexit's not helped. Uh, I can't get home because of COVID, or at least if I tried, it would be very difficult. And and Bermuda knocked on my door and said, we'll take you, <laughs> essentially. We'll, we, we'll help you out. And, and of course... I want to be doing the Euros for Optus Sport in a few months. I thought, right, let's just try and stay in this part of the world. And that's why I've chosen the, the dormant volcano that is Bermuda in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, wow. I mean, obviously I knew that story because I've had lots of chats with you over the last couple of weeks about it. And what an adventure, let's be honest. And, and we talked about this earlier on. Who would have thought, have you ever thought in your wildest dreams that you would end up in Bermuda? Uh, yes. Yeah. No, this is pretty standard for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know this was always going to happen. No, nope, never would have thought it. Didn't know where it was. Didn't know what it looked like. Don't know anything about the place. I still know very little about it. So I'll be arriving. Uh, I'll be editing this podcast on the plane, which will be good fun. And I'll arrive and I will have no idea what's going on. How long is the flight wise. from London to Bermuda? 
uh, eight hours, which is about how long it takes to make you sound good when editing oh, wow. a podcast. Yeah. Wow, wow. I mean, I'm not saying wow about making me sound good. I mean, about I, I didn't. Yeah, that's not a surprise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But bizarrely, four hours on the way back to England. How cool is that? Because of yeah. the, the tailwind. Yeah, tailwind. Yeah, I would have thought so. It's, it, that's like that's like going from uh, Sydney to Perth. And Correct. Perth to Sydney. You know, it's kind of like five and a half hours one way, three three and a half hours the other. So now you don't really, I mean, there's a few protocols you have to go through, but you don't have to go through a really strict quarantine. So I'm thinking, Mark, two sharp reds, hello, Bermuda. Wow. Why not? Why that, not? Wouldn't be, that wouldn't be bad, would it? Yeah. How good would that be? Jeez. I, I can definitely sniff us out of the yard. The only problem I've got is I've seen, I've looked up Bermuda on the map. And honestly, yeah. by the end of next week, you uh, would have seen everything and done yeah, everything correct. there is possibly to do on the Co- island. Correct. What are you? What are you? What are you going to do? Um, well, have you heard of the triangle, Mark? <laughs> uh, I'll take a dinghy out and uh, and hope for the best. So okay. no, uh, it's going to be a big adventure. But rest assured, the two sharp reds may may it continue for a very long time to come. Hopefully, gosh, I mean, and hopefully, and, yeah. And listen, maybe, maybe we may do a special and get your rum out, and you can do us a, a bit of a rum taste testing uh, episode. Mark, that's enough about me. Uh, let's get back to the football. And we like to talk every now and again. We don't like to talk about relegation and the sack race, of course, the managers losing their job. But I think it's appropriate. It just feels like pretty much halfway in the middle of the season just to do a relegation update. So reading from the bottom up, we've got Sheffield United, West Brom, Fulham. There are bottom three. And just above them, Burnley and Brighton. Now, I've just left Newcastle out, who are two points ahead of Brighton. But you would imagine that they... they will be okay um as we've touched on we've seen sheffield united win their first game they were pretty woeful again then against tottenham but good to see they've got a few points west brom as well getting a win against wolverhampton which i think shocked a lot of people um fulham you would suggest are starting to see enough signs and burnley brighton you never know what you're going to get so reading about those five teams what's your gut instinct well sheffield united are goners um, absolute goners. And, and this is the thing I was talking about earlier on about Fulham. You know, they've gone, you know, they've, they've, they've drawn five out of the last six games and they're still only on 12 points. They're still four point drift from Burnley. When you look at Burnley's last five games, they've lost three and one, two. Mm. You know, winning, winning those two yeah. games, they've already got more points than Fulham did over the last, you know, last six. So that's, that's the key. Winning, you've got to get those W's in that, in that column there, mate. You've got to win those games. And Fulham just are not doing enough of it. They've only won two games so far. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's the big killer for them. I, I, I just don't see them. You know, I, I thought this was their moment. This is their moment where they're going to build a bit of momentum, get some wins under their belt, and they could start to move up that table. Um, and, you know, listen, 10 men against Chelsea, they did all right. Um, yeah. stupid, stupid red card to get, um, you know, playing 50 odd minutes without, you know, with 10 men against a side like Chelsea, no matter how uh, much of Chelsea have been in kind of in a, in a, in a run of, of, of pretty average form, you're still ultimately going to come unstuck. And that's what happened uh, for, for, you know, with Fulham. Who else is going to be involved? Gosh, listen, I was at the West Brom, Wolves-West Brom game on the weekend <coughs> and West Brom, listen, are they are they great? No, they're not great, but they showed fight, determination. They scored goals. Obviously, they've conceded, but they know how to score goals. Yeah, Fulham. They just 
oh, I can't see him. Sheffield United can't see him scoring a lot of goals to win games. West Brom, on the other hand, they've got the potential. I think Robert Snodgrass is a big signing. Um, mm. I know one of the coaches there at, at West Brom, uh, Robbie Stockdale, played with him at Middlesbrough, as well as James Morrison, who's one of the coaches there as well. And I spoke to Robbie Stockdale after the game, and he was saying that... James um, Morrison? Sorry. Yeah, James Morrison, exactly, yeah. No yeah. way. Brilliant. Well, he's a, he's a West Brom legend as well. So he was at West Brom for a long, long time. Midfielder, I, I played with him at Middlesbrough when he was a young kid. So there you go. Played, yeah. And uh, they were saying, obviously, you know, they're looking to, to bring in some real Premier League experience in this transfer window. Big Sam Allardyce, he knows his stuff, whether you like him or, 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 or loathe him, you know. Um, but you, what you, can't, you cannot look beyond is the, the record that he has of never being relegated. The ability of keeping teams up in the league, knowing, how, knowing, knowing what he needs to do. His biggest challenge, and he said it himself, is Brexit and not able to bring in the European players that he would normally go and find bargains. He would find some top, top class players and somehow get them a run um, at, at a club wherever he's at. And, and most notably when he was at Bolton, he was doing that left, right and centre. You reckon he voted for Brexit as well? Could be liable, Sovis, but yeah, I reckon he knows, def- definitely did. Let, let, let's not even go there. That's too, <laughs> too, too, too uh, risky a top, topic to even talk about. And I'll tell um, you what, speaking of not being able to score goals as well, though, i tell you what, you look at Brighton and you think, I mean, Mopai is a scorer of great goals, but not a scorer of a lot of goals. No, that's right. Um, but what a result from the other day. Huge. You know, and, and, and that's the thing, Brighton. The thing about Brighton is they play some really good football. Yeah, but you're right. They're not scoring enough goals, but they can they can play enough really good football, create enough chances, and they ultimately will score. And they tend to do that just enough at the moment. However, they have got two more games than most teams around them, um, and and that's the only thing. But then you know the argument is having the points on the board is worth its weight in gold compared to mm. particularly when you're down there. You're down there because you can't r- uh, run a string of games together. Uh, consistent results together. Um, I, I don't think what you, you know, you said, I'm not going to mention Newcastle because I think they're, I, I think they are a concern. And no, I have I, to say, even though they shouldn't be anywhere near it, I think Wolves at the moment are a concern because I think um, they've got a big problem there. The manager's got a big problem. I mean, let, let me just say as well, I interviewed him after the game on the weekend and my God, what a miserable, terrible interview he was. And I asked him a question about, can you give me your thoughts on the game? How your team, how you thought your team performed? And he literally went, I thought they were okay. Bizarre. That really? was his answer. That was it. And then I asked him about run, recent run of form and can he put his finger on it? No. That was his answers. I and he's honest. Thinking, <laughs> we've never interviewed him before, right? So obviously doing it for up to sport, Australia, Right holders around in, in Australia. He knew that he was speaking to Optus Sport from Australia. He did not give. Really? I absolutely, he didn't care. And he treated us with such disrespect. And I, I was just blown away by it. And I, I, I spoke to one of the guys from Wolves afterwards and, and they actually came over to apologize to me for his behavior. Wow. And they just said he's, he, he can be an absolute nightmare. And I, I just, I was blown away by it. I just thought, mate, you've been there for two minutes. You've had a little bit of success and you're behaving like that. I, I, just, I was blown away. And I thought it was a real, real shame for, for Wolves. I thought it was a really poor example 
and a poor, yeah, a really poor um, message from the club itself for having a manager that was just so bad and, and so disrespectful. So it's him and Rudiger are in your least favourite Yes, they're both up situations. there. They're both yeah. up there, yeah. And the thing is, you know, the, you know what annoys me is that I, I, I know that I know what it's like to lose games and I know how frustrating it is and I know when you're losing games and you're on a bad run of games. I, I mean, as a journalist, you've got to ask certain questions, but I, I even sugarcoat them even more and try and be just, you give me, you give me like, can you talk about your, your performance day? What, what were your feelings on the performance? So allow them to give their side. I'm not trying to dig them out and give them, you know, make them feel awkward or anything else. Um, and they still, they still give you that and they still react that way. And you just think, wow, really, really poor. And he's renowned for being a terrible, terrible interviewer. He's renowned for not caring and showing such disrespect to people. Mark, there's a bit of a twilight zone going across top flights of Europe at the moment. Um, can't figure it out, to be totally honest with you. At the top of the table, you know, across Syria, we've got AC Milan, Atletico uh, at the top of La Liga. Bayern Munich out miles ahead, you'd have to say, in, in the Bundesliga. Lyon in France. I mean, what's going on? It's just, it feels like uh, the underworld at the moment. Everything's upside down. Not, 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 not to say that they are terrible teams that are on top, but it no, is but a surprise. No, but isn't it great? Isn't it great that in Italy you don't have Juve running around with it, running away with their tenth, their tenth title? As yep. within Scotland with Celtic, I mean, obviously Scotland? Celtic, obviously yeah. Celtic fans wouldn't wouldn't be happy about it. But what I'm saying is, isn't it great that you've got potentially new winners of the league, even in Germany? It's not good for the league if one team just dominates year after year. No, I mean, I'm a big fan of Bayern Munich, as most probably listeners will know, and as you know. However. I know as well, it's not great for the Bundesliga that Bayern win the league every year. And yeah. it's the same as in England. I mean, and that's the beauty of England, is you're not having the same team winning. I mean, the last 10 years, only Manchester City's won it back-to-back. Prior yeah. to that, you know, you look at Manchester United and the way they dominated the, the league. It's fantastic for the league, but that's not happening again. <clears throat> do we want Man United to be up there contesting? Again? Of course we do. But do we want them winning the league every year? Other than Manchester United supporters, no one wants that. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I think... I think it's great. It's great to look at all the leagues. It's great to see Atletico Madrid there. It's great. It's, if anything, it's kind of good to see teams squirm a little bit. It's kind of good to see your Barcelonas and Real Madrids be under that little bit of pressure and see what it's like and know what it feels like, like the rest of the clubs go through every year. The big clubs that don't quite, are not able to quite match it and quite contest for the league, the pressure that they're under, the scrutiny they and 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 the you know the the negativity they receive because of not being able to contest with the big boys, it's now now seeing the shoes on the other foot. It's nice seeing Real Madrid and Barcelona being under that more scrutiny totally. and and criticised because of their poor performances. And look, you can tell the frustration is incredibly high for players like Lionel Messi getting sent off for the first time ever in his career at Barcelona. Uh, the, the one team in that list as well that uh, sort of excites me the most is AC Milan. I used to love watching AC Milan. They were almost a part of my first met footballing memories with some of their great Champions League nights against Arsenal as well, I remember. And you just go, I, I, was, I was more of an Inter fan. And the, okay, only, oh, the only ooh. reason why... No, but the only reason was there's no other reason other than at the mm. time in the 90s it's yeah. because AC had the three Dutchmen, Hullet, Rijkaard and Van Basten, Right. And Inter had the Germans, okay. Klinsmann, Andreas Bremer, and um, Lothar Matthias. So okay. 
of course I was supporting the, uh, the German connection. So Inter for me was the team that I always wanted to win. Um, but yeah, you're right. AC Milan, huge. But again, it's going back to the whole thing about at that time, AC Milan dominated most things, right? So yep. it's nice to see that kind of evolution of it, the, you know, the, the, the tides turning, um, albeit Juve went on to dominate for the last 10 years, but it's nice to see now that they, they lost yesterday. It's nice to see that they're not going to run away with the league. If they're going to win it, they, they, they're going to have to work incredibly hard and out of their comfort zone to do so. Um, and it's not to say that they haven't worked really hard in the past. It just, you know, it's kind of that momentum and that fear factor. And there's a whole lot of other factors that come into it that when the team's on such an incredible run, you're almost beaten before you begin the game because mm. people go, well, I've got no chance. Whereas now everyone's going, they're beatable. We can beat them. We can actually get a result. We can actually hinder them from winning the league for 10 years in a row. And that's no different in, 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 in Glasgow, uh, sorry, in uh, Scotland. And there's no difference in Germany. People wanting to try and hinder the big teams, the big boys from creating history and dominating year after year. Now, just as we start to wind things up here on the Two Sharp Reds, I've just got a bit of an update for you, Mark. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I try very hard, you know, to cast the net out, um, you know, for people, you know, to try and get Mikel Arteta on as we tried to share a you know, his bottle of red. That day didn't get back to me. Um, we know that you occasionally get fat donuts sent back and you get oh, a little bit, anxi- little bit anxious, you know, sending the requests out uh, in case you don't get one back. I have got one back. Um, a huge update uh, for you. Uh, the groundsman from Chorley Town has accepted uh, my invitation to come on the Two Shut Reds. Of course, we know now as well the beautiful story about uh, him and you know sleeping on the pitch to make sure that it wasn't going to freeze over. They've now drawn Wolves at home at, at Chorley, which is exciting. And the groundsman himself has been uh, invited to work on the ground for the FA Cup final. So this is going to be, when he comes on, Mark, the most famous groundskeeper in England, I would have thought. I'll get you, the T-shirt ready. You sound really excited. I am. Absolutely. Come on, I bet you. What about you? You grew your own Christmas tree. You're going to love asking him about well, how to look after a football I didn't ground. Grow my own. No, I, yes, didn't. I definitely did. didn't grow it. I bought one that's a, a potted Christmas tree, so it's a live, living Christmas tree, as opposed to a, a, a well, what was a living tree and that yeah. was cut. This is but did it grow? A, but did it grow in a pot? So I've left it there in a pot. I've repotted it in a bigger pot, so it's going to get bigger. Nice blue. Nice blue shiny pot, and um, yeah, I'm excited about my Christmas tree. But anyway, we're, 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 we're getting away <laughs> we, a little. We digress. Uh, we're digressing, and and yes, I understand why. So, Nad, listen, great, great catch for you, mate. Really, really happy for you. Um, it's definitely up there with your biggest catch so far. It is, yeah. Uh, it, Provided uh, it actually takes part, that it takes place. I think it's probably him and uh, Perry NG from uh, Crew yeah. Alex. They were who, coincidentally, he's on the move. The big man, Cardiff City, huge yeah. move. Well, they are in big trouble, aren't they, Cardiff? And and uh, Neil Harris is on a massive pro- uh, pressure at Cardiff. He certainly is. But I tell you what, going from Crew Alexandra to Cardiff City, who have recently been in the Premier League, not a bad little move for yeah. someone who's been on the two sharp Reds. Very, very good, mate. So you, yeah, oh, listen. That's, that's certainly moving up in terms yeah. of uh, credibility. And I'm sure by this time next week, maybe give me two weeks just to be safe, I'm sure I can get the captain of the Bermudan football team to come on. Absolutely. Wow. Oh, yeah. I, I oh, so. wow. I love, I love it. I love so, it. Yeah. You're big noting yourself already. 
and you believe that that's even possible. I'm yeah, out, I'm I, I reckon. I'm going to hold you to it. All right, captain, or at least a player from. Oh, the now it's gone. Are you already, you <laughs> okay, already captain. reduced the the pressure. Captain, 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 captain <laughs> of Bermuda. Done. Consider it done. Uh, Mark, it is uh, sort of time to wind things up here on the Two Shut Reds. I've, of course, thoroughly enjoyed my 19 crimes. That's not a shock to anyone. Um, very strong, but very smooth. Um, and a little bit underrated, I'd say, a lot of people. You know, because we, we know that the southeast region of Australia and, and going into, um, you know, Adelaide and, of course, Perth as well, you know, they've got very, very spectacular vineyards. But I feel the 19 crimes is a little bit, Almost, I imagine it's the way people talk about the difference between, say, McDonald's and, you know, a really, really nice boutique burger shack. You know, I think, <laughs> you know, I think people see it as a bit bit mainstream, bit underrated, but I really don't think it should be. I think it needs to be given the time of day um, and the respect. So while I'm on a roll, I will just compare my wine to a player um, that the the keywords strong, incredibly strong, but it's incredibly smooth, which I find very rare to find in a wine that you can have it strong and smooth at the same time. Um, getting a lot of flavors on the sides of my mouth, just down the channels, um, you know, as opposed to right at the back of the throat or, or right on the tip of the tongue. So the sides are very busy. And as I said, I think it's quite underrated, but not underrated by everyone, underrated by the people in that area of Southeastern Australia. And so with all that in mind, I'm going to go with my man uh, from Wolverhampton, Adama Traore. I, I, now, when I say overrated, I, don't, I get the sense that a lot of Wolves fans wouldn't mind if he left, which blows my mind because I think he's a brilliant player. But when you look at some of the comments and you, I, I read a lot, he just, yeah, I, I think they underrate the great man. Yeah, I just think there's a sense of frustration that he's got an incredible amount of ability and fails to deliver that consistently. I mean, last season he was on fire. This season he's really struggled to find any sort of consistency. And that's been a bit of an issue. But then that's also to do with the entire team. It's not just down to one man. Um, uh, Raul Jimenez has been a huge loss in not being able to replace him. Uh, Fabio Silva has struggled. Um, he's a very different player. Young kid with a high price tag. So it's tough. So yeah, the, the Wolves are, Wolves have got a lot of problems. And they've also changed from a back three to a back four. And, and they've they've really struggled with that, uh, with that, that sort of slight change in tactical um, side of the game. And there's been cries out for... Go, uh, you know, Nuno, Nuno San, um, Espirito Santo to go back to that tried and tested back three. And at the moment, he's being very dogged about it and, and being, uh, well, am I going to say it again? Very arrogant about it and going to stick yeah. with it. Yeah. Ooh, look out, Nuno. Yeah, Marks gosh, are coming. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note, I've got a Muga, a Muga Reserva 2016. Like I've said, I've been to the bodega um, in in the northern part of Spain, uh, in the Rioja, Rioja region, which um, was a lot, a lot of fun. Left my kids in the car. Window was open, so don't worry, guys. No pressure there. Wasn't too hot. Found a shady tree for them as well. Left them a bowl of water, and they were absolutely fine. I can assure you. Um, they are 21 and 19, so they're still alive and well at the moment, yep. I think. Um, haven't seen them for years. But, yeah, other than that, they're great. Um, listen, really like it. Um, really enjoyed the wine tasting at the bodega as well. And that's why it's got a bit of sentimental value to it. Um, and, and 
you know, this, this wine is full of many, many flavors as they all are flavors of plum, fig, oak, vanilla, but a tobacco leather. Not that I'm a fan of, of, uh, of running my tongue along some leather. Not, not really into that guy. Not, Sorry. Not done that before. No, I haven't, mate. I've heard, I've heard that's right up your, um, Strasser, um, yeah. Well, how do you yeah. know if you don't try though? That's my always. Yeah, just, my just can't can't think of it, mate. I mean, I'm just thinking <laughs> about the, the taste and the smell of leather right now, and running my tongue up against it. No, no, no. I'm fine, thanks, mate. I'll um, I'll take a I'll take a a, a rain check on that one. That's for sure. Um, but you know what? It's um, a beautiful area. Really nice. Really interesting. If you've never been to a vineyard or bodega, gotta go. I've been to a number of them in Spain, in France, um, and also in Australia. So they're all slightly different. Um, mostly to do with the environment, the type of uh, the way that the uh, the vineyards are set up, but it's still very, very interesting no matter where you go. Um, this this wine is is is, is again is, is that long lasting kind of pretty pretty thick, I would say thick, heavy kind of Rioja that you normally sort of associate with Spanish wines, um, but it's got some really good balance and. It, it, it's, I mean, I wouldn't even say it was that complex, but it's really, it, it is what it is and you know what you're getting. Um, and it's really nicely balanced. And overall, I think it's a really excellent wine. Um, and with that in, uh, in mind, I'm going to go with a Spanish player has to be, and he's a player that I played with has just recently reached over 400 games for his club. And I think he's about the 13th player in the club history to do so. Um, a club that's obviously been very, very successful, uh, particularly in the last sort of 15, 20 years since the, the, owner, the new owner came in. Um, I only spent a very short period of time there, but at a very tender young age of 40, made my, my um, move to the club and had an opportunity to, to play with some incredible players under an unbelievable manager. And uh, he was one of these players that I think I didn't know really anything of him, about him until I moved to the club. But a really, really down to earth, genuinely nice guy. Unbelievably hard worker. Um, he's not the most gifted player, but has worked so hard. Was adaptable, flexible in so many ways. Played at left back, right back, can play at centre half. And um, he is, has he? They, the fans gave him the nickname of Dave because they couldn't pronounce his name. And they found it too difficult initially to, to pronounce his name. And since he's become a mainstayer in their side and been so influential, and he's the club captain to this day, um, you know, I think uh, most fans have taken up uh, the task of learning how to pronounce his name. And it's none other than uh, Cesar Aspliqueta. Really, really good guy, top professional, and uh, incredible what he's achieved at the club. Tucks his shirt into, which I've got a lot of time for when a player does that really like a tuck big time. Yeah. I thought you would. I thought yeah. you would. Yeah. Just something special, it's, you know, just that old, it's a bit of the, it's a touch of that old schoolness to it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Retro baby. It's a, bit like, it's a bit like a Scott Parker ish. Scott Parker would do the same. Ta- oh hair, yeah. Hair yeah. always seems to be immaculate in, in a, in a certain style. doesn't matter. They they've, you know, it's blowing a gale a hundred miles an hour and their hair doesn't move. Um, their yep. shirt doesn't, they, they slide along the pitch and make an un- incredible last ditch tackle. The shirt doesn't move. Yep. Have so, you got a yeah. crush? Have you got a crush on him? It's all right. It's all right no, if you do. no, no, but he's just a really, really, you know, you don't <laughs> often get it, you know, in life, full stop, a genuinely yep. nice person. Um, a lot, a lot of time for him and a top, top pro. And that's why he's also where he is. Cause he's such a, a dedicated and top, top professional. 
Well, Mark, I appreciate uh, your time. I appreciate you getting up a little earlier to do the two sharp reds. So I'm going to have to get going now. Pack my bag. Well, I have packed my bags, but just finish off a little bit and head to the airport and head to Bermuda, Bahama, come on, Mama. <laughs> you've, been, you've been practicing, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Down the Florida Keys. I, I, yeah. I, like when you get off the plane, are you going to be singing? I would have thought so. But the best bit is because I'll have to wear a mask so I could sing along and no one knows. Oh, no that's one will the best even bit. know. That's, that's, yeah. that, that, that's right up my straza because yeah. I'm a horrendous singer. And imagine that. It's a way of getting away with it, not anyone knowing who's actually singing. Yeah, that's Thank you, me Mark. all day long as well. Yeah. Nice one. <laughs> all right, Mark. Well, thank you. Good on you. Be safe. Yeah. Be good. Yeah, and you behave yourself. And obviously, it's a long flight for such a young yeah. man like yourself. And I know you're very, very nervous. And I'm hopeful yeah. that you um, don't get lost. Because if you do get lost, you've got no hope because the well, island is triangle. so tiny. Um, and I'm, what an incredible adventure. And next time we're recording the Two Sharp Reds, it'll be a very, very unique episode because it'll be the first time that you're recording in your new, your new place uh, of residence in Bermuda. And I want to hear about all of the, the adventures you've already been on in such a short period of time. And I want to know, I want an update. Yep. Will you be able to get the captain of the Bermuda national team? You know that I will. Don't worry about it. He's coming on. I promise you. I promise you. Until then, Mark, cheers. Cheers, mate. Summer's just around the corner. So give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.